You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, where we celebrate our hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos, no status, just catch it, cut it, and cook it. This is episode 41, Hot Dogs, Chili, and Unwritten Rules. Nick and Dustin give a report on their lack of ice situation for ice fishing and the hikes that they call squirrel hunts. So in the meantime, they unpack unwritten rules about a couple home favorites, chili and hot dogs. Nick recently found himself in an online debate about beans or no beans in chili, so the guys had to do some digging to figure out what this was all about. Nick also lays out a recipe for venison hot dogs that quickly is becoming a favorite in his house. So sit back and enjoy the fun. Hey, good evening, folks. Welcome to another edition of Huntivore. We got uh, myself, Nick, and uh, joined by uh, Dustin, my co-host, who seems to be lost most of the time. <laughs> Dustin, welcome back. Hello. It feels good to be back. Well, good deal. How's things over there in Lansing? Things could, uh, I know we had chatted and you were all moving in and stuff and making sure, just starting to get feeling like at home is that yep. uh, is that continuing yeah we went straight from uh the moving phase to the unpacking phase to the home update phase so we moved right straight into doing flooring and ripping out vanities and putting in toilets and whatnot so yeah are you doing like a hgtv spinoff show behind uh behind the hunt of here Holy cow, if I did that, we would have been in some serious trouble. Like, there's Chip and Joanna, and they're all like, ah. Then there's my wife and I, who are... (laughs) (laughs) We don't have the same same playful style. It's just more like uh, war, a little bit. Gotcha. The demo phase just continues. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to be televising this. It's all good in the end, but we don't need to... 
we don't we don't need to watch it over again. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> I'd like to be a fly on the wall, but yeah, I totally understand on the the demo stuff. I know when we moved into our house, it was yeah, these walls here here uh that sectioned off the kitchen from everything else. We knew those had to go. And I still haven't put trim up and we're still waiting on what kind of backsplash we want. So yeah, that's a a year long reno going on right now. Yeah, the details. <laughs> They'll get you. They will. But hey, winter has finally shown up here in uh in mid July. We got excuse me, mid January. <laughs> Man, yes, I'm jumping like... ahead. <laughs> we got all of our snow on one weekend, about six inches. Lansing's still over there at about four, or do you get a little yeah. more than that? Yeah, it was probably around four. Four of the heaviest, sloppiest stuff. Good deal. Yeah, before the big uh, big dump, um, I guess update on our wild game pursuits, I was able to go out and uh, try my hand at getting some squirrels or rabbits, anything that would really move. Um, a couple buddies came out. Uh, we did. We had three guys, and we ended up with two squirrels. And I came back with all of my ammunition. I wasn't lucky enough to find one. <laughs> hey, two squirrels. That's not bad. No, it was pretty good. Um, it was already a bad omen. Like when we started, uh, we literally, well, we met at my house. And all right, well, hey, let's push this uh, low area over here. Let's see if we can't get anything to move. And we're just, we're still talking. We're normal volume talking to each other. And we get about four steps into the brush and sure enough we kick a bunny up right then and there um the one buddy was in in line and so the guy on my left was taking all the shots i wasn't going to wing one over his shoulder that's not a smart move but anyway um we he he hit off some hair and we had a little drops of blood but we never never found where that bunny went he dove into like a spot where it could have been like four different directions at that point. Um, so yeah, that was a bad omen just to start out. We had game four steps in and then it was real quiet for probably the next, uh, hour, hour and a half. Was that a 22 event or shotguns or both? We went, um, we went three shotguns. Um, that was my question as they arrived. I was like, well, do we want one rifle or do we want, uh, three shotguns and because we were focusing on the rabbits uh we yeah. decided i'll ah, we'll just go all shotguns so we had um two 12s and a 410 um guy with the 410 uh ended up with with one of the squirrels we got to a point where we said all right we need to just split up and everybody just sit for 20 minutes so me and one of the buddies we walk and i mean we don't get we don't get 40 yards from where he's at. We hear his gun go off and we spin around and look. And sure enough, we're walking away. He's sitting on a stump and a squirrel watching us was probably like, well, good. They're gone. And <laughs> yeah, squirrels can't count. So it's like a he, deer. Exactly. He forgot the one, one buddy that was sitting there. And then when a little while later, you know, I'm off sitting and I hear the other buddy, his 12 gauge goes off and, he ended up with another squirrel. So, hey, two squirrels. We've got them in the freezer right now uh, waiting to uh, do something with them. We need a few more before we can get a full full meal's worth, I think. 
sounds like a pretty standard story. Yeah, pretty much just every other time that it goes. <laughs> a couple uh, of squirrels in the freezer trying to get a couple more. Exactly. Time has been tough, too. Uh, it feels like that the sun just keeps going down too fast. Like, by the time I get home and I get the kids' situation and, you know, we start dinner, finish dinner, clean up, it's, it's already dark. So yeah. the chances to even get out and get anything has been relegated to the weekends. And... Yeah, 2020, we have hit it sprinting. So, have you been out at all? I have not. I haven't even thought. Haven't even thought about hitting the small game scene. It's been so focused with getting situated here. It's a sad story, but I gotta have goals. I gotta get things. There's no ice, so that's been helpful actually. The fact that there is no ice and the within reasonable part of the state. So I don't have that calling at me. So I'm like, get my head down, get some of these projects done. And then I'll be in good shape for the spring fishing. And then the 2020 season, 2020, 2021 season, that one's going to be, that's going to be looking for, I'm already, I'm already going that far out. <laughs> Man, your scope, Dustin. You need to take a look at your priorities. I think. I I am. It's a it's a calculated risk. Uh, life won't get in the way down the road for sure. Gotcha. It's guaranteed. It's a guarantee. I think the this is two years that you've been doing the long play. I think you're doing the <laughs> ultra long play. Like there's people who do marathons, and but there's a cutoff, and then there's people who do ultra marathons. You are the. Yeah. You were the Cameron Haynes of, like, <laughs> home life. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll check back in in the end and see how I did. Good. Good. Yeah, we'll check in on that. So you did mention ice. Uh, yeah, there is none. Although I think with our little cold spell, we're probably making as opposed to not making. Um. And then again, we've been doing these ups and downs and ups and downs. I didn't hear about another uh, warm-up coming. So maybe yeah, we'll start go. to actually form something out there. Mm-hmm. 40 by the weekend, and then uh, high probability of above-average temperatures for the latter part of the month. So, Okay, so, yeah. Got to go north. If you go north, you can find some ice. There you go. Just like those guys in uh, Houghton Lake that went through? Yeah. Thought they could make it with their uh, skidoos. Couldn't quite get across, could they? Yeah. There's a lot of that going on, too. Got to go north and be extra careful. There you go. Or a little crazy. (laughs) That that they are uh, definitely hitting the the crazy mark on that one. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, since we're not on the the ice, um, I did get a chance to uh, do some social media work here. Um, and some recipe stuff, which has been super cool. Um, the tough thing, Dustin, that I have found about recipes is, granted, a lot of stuff on the internet is not copyrighted, is not trademarked. So if, like, you're making a recipe and someone has already created it, there's, there's some leeway there. Um, but what I am finding is, like, folks that have books that are written on it, like, that's the serious stuff that you want to not 
make sure that you're copying or not that you're uh, looking too similar to. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, then you're then you're getting into some publisher territory, and, and they don't act very kindly towards that, I, I don't imagine. Um, but anyway, I've made some strides to say, hey, I'm going to start writing more recipes. 2020 is probably going to be where we're going to start creating this library. Good old Dan Johnson over there at the mothership uh, decided that, hey, he's going to uh, publicly tell everybody that I'm going to start doing that. So, hey, here we go. <laughs> Better do it. Yeah. But if I'm going to dive into it, I don't want to just repackage something that somebody else has written and just push it out as mine just because I switch it to some other protein to be like, hey, I now make venison tacos, which is just like, you know, some other websites tacos yep. as far as there their goes. I want mine to be, I don't want, I want them to be unique to me creating them. Now there might be things like technique wise that I'm going to be like, oh, I find this out and then I'm going to borrow that and I hope to then make sure I acknowledge who I got that from. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence and uh, not just scalping off somebody on the opposite side of the website there. So with all that said, writing out a recipe is difficult because you've got to make sure that you're being unique, but at the same time you're trying to give enough detail to instruct somebody how to do it. And I think I achieved that with the latest one, that I just published, and that was the Wild Game Gyozas. Uh, those are a family uh, favorite, at least for my my wife's side. Um, my side still still working on the Wild Game thing with yeah. them. It's not there yet. No, they're not quite there yet. When you when you raise your own protein, when you raise turkeys, and uh, you know people say, "Hey, do you want beef?" <laughs> people look at you like, "Why? Why would I do that when I have perfectly good?" <laughs> Turkey yeah. meat right here. Uh, or or that, yeah, then it's like, all right, now we're going to expand out past domestic. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's tough. I think You said no to beef, but hey, how about say yes to venison? Exactly. It's I shouldn't say that they don't say no, no to beef. My, yeah. my dad likes turkey enough that, yeah, he doesn't necessarily need beef. My brother, on the other hand, he likes beef a lot. But, man, he is quick to turn his nose up at anything wild game. But this is the same kid that couldn't get past mac and cheese and hot dogs as a kid, so I should have yeah, saw that coming. Suspect. A little suspect. Yeah. He was the guy that needed more of, like, spokes on his uh, plate at Thanksgiving because if two things touched, it was it was all done. Oh, boy. The contamination, the crossover, couldn't do it. Yeah, trouble. You know, you know some... Some are worthy causes and some are lost causes. So you just got to know. Exactly. I got my nephews. <laughs> I got my I got both uh, both nephews and the niece that I think I can work on. Oh, yeah, started me young. Yeah. That's, that's where you make ground. I think the, the next time they're over, we'll start out with the bluegills. I'll get them hooked on that. that oh, yeah. That's probably that's where it's going to be. Out. Yeah. Easy. Now. We did those the other day. Um, actually, my wife was trying to get the kids psyched up about something. We're getting a little cabin feverish here at the house. So people are just, well, the kids are just stir crazy. Uh, the youngest one 
all he does is make messes right now. He doesn't play with anything. He just dumps buckets. He says at this odd age, he needs to go outside, but now it's cold, so that's the tough part. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I understand. Yeah. I can't imagine having the, the single kid right now. Having the multiple, as much as it is a zone defense, having multiple, they they entertain themselves. So, like, the older two, if if they're on good status with each other, they're good for, like, a couple hours on their own. Yeah. But yeah, then, no, it's 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 a it's an entertainment uh, process when it's just the just the one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, good times, good times. But anyway, yeah, we we busted out some uh, bluegill. My wife gave the idea, and I was like, "Ooh, um, I don't think we've got any." Luckily, uh, my neighbor uh, is always stocked up with with some sort of fish goodness. So I was able to borrow a couple bags from him. So now I'm already 2020 indebted for <laughs> a good limit of bluegills. So my first limit goes to the neighbor. <laughs> Look at you. American bluegill borrowing. Hey, that's, that's about as American as you can get right there. Always so. borrowing. At least my credit's good for it. <laughs> that's true. You didn't get denied. Nope. So we did, even did that. So yeah, we've had we've had uh, at least a little bit of wild game lately. Um, but then yeah, back to the social media thing. Um, buddy of mine up uh, Trent, I think his name is now. So I probably got it wrong. But anyway, the fellows over there at Eat Venison on Instagram they uh, they make hats and shirts up from the UP. And anyway, he was uh, kind of talking smack about how. He doesn't like beans in his chili, which is a, I mean, good opinion to have. But he was posing it out there as in he wanted us to change his mind. Um, he also made the comment that hey, beans shouldn't be in chili, but maybe somebody should try the idea of putting noodles in chili, and then left like it out a, there, like a Cincinnati chili. Well, because that that's a thing, right? I don't know if that is a thing. I do know that something very similar to that is called goulash. <laughs> like it's basically chili without beans, but with noodles. So in my uh, change my mind story that I sent to him and the rest of the world, it's pretty much like an open note. Uh, I said that chili without beans is like only a condiment that should be put on hot dogs. And that was my mic drop statement along with, yeah, your your noodle idea is already an idea. And it came from Eastern Europe. It's called goulash. <laughs> so, All right. So, um, so, yeah, I bet you that's where the Cincinnati chili was adopted, at least probably over there from, well, they've got a pretty, pretty stout Eastern uh, European lineage over there in, in Cincy, don't they? I'm not sure, but I'm I'm looking at the Cincinnati chili right now, and they're just saying serve it over hot spaghetti with your choice of toppings. So it doesn't seem real uh, sophisticated. They pretty much just uh, made spaghetti and threw chili on top. Sounds good. Yeah. But anyway, through this story, I myself got some hate messages um, that I had put beans in and that it's really not chili. That I'm more of a heathen than a mm. than a person. 
which, you know what, hey, to each their own. Um, but they want to make their message fully clear. And then I've also had people that were like, preach it, amen, more beans, the better. And especially from here from the Midwest, I got one guy saying that uh, he's had an 11 bean uh, chili. It, had, it was actually just, it was meatless, but it had 11 different beans in it. And I was like, holy smokes, that's something that's going to last with you all day. Like, I feel like if it didn't have the beans, you'd burn through that chili really fast on a on a cold, long day on the ice. <laughs> Yeah, well, what I'm thinking here is uh, in a day of divisiveness, I'm glad that it doesn't stop at chili. There's that much passion. I tell you. And, of course, our friends in Texas, they're the ones that are really riding this out. Um, that uh, if you, Their phrase, if you know beans about chili, then you know chili doesn't have beans. Ooh. So that's their, that's their little battle cry that they have going yeah. on. So, my extensive research while I was putting my youngest child to bed about 15 minutes ago, and Mm -hmm. it it included me putting into the Google bar, why don't Texans put beans in chili? Anyway, it came out with some good good facts um, on there. As far as source, I forgot what website I was on. Seemed reputable. Mm Mm-hmm. They said a lot of big words, so I'll take it from there what they're worth. All all strong argument starts with, it seemed reputable. (laughs) It wasn't Wikipedia, so I have that going for me. They're just going to ask you for money right now anyways. Exactly. But anyway, uh, chili comes from basically uh, chili con carne. So it's shorthand, they call it chili. But Mm -hmm. this chili con carne basically loosely translates in English uh, beef and peppers or meat and peppers. Hmm. So that's where the term chili is shorthand for that full dish. Now, that full dish did originate near Texas. In fact, there was the Canary Islands. Um, Some folks relocated from those islands specifically into like Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma area. And from there, they were creating dishes that they created in the Canary Islands as far as spices that they used. And the certain chilies that they used, they could bring those. They brought those along with them and just offered the same sort of environment. And so that's where the chili con carne came from, is that area. From then... That expanded, you know, kind of in that area. And then the Chicago World's Fair is where Chile in the north really took off. And that was in the 1920s. There was a chili cart there that was was serving chili. People caught on to it. And then, I don't know, Midwesterners being Midwesterners, we needed to add something else to it, something bland. And we added beans. <laughs> yes. I don't want to say bland. Maybe I should take that back. Bland. It adds a creaminess. It adds a richness. I don't think that ranch had come across yet. So we no, had to substitute. So that's where so we beans added instead beans. Instead of ranch. Yeah. 
And then it wasn't until I think the 30s that they finally added tomatoes. So previous the 20s, it was just peppers and meat. Ground then, meat? Always ground meat? Or was it at some point? I think they said chunks. So Chunks. I don't know. Maybe the 20s introduced the uh, ground being that, well, that was the same era that they had uh, the whole, like, um, Stockhouse, Slaughterhouse. What is it, The Jungle Book? Is that the uh, name of the book about the Chicago butcher lines that were all heinous? Maybe. I'm going to go with yes. Gotcha. I believe it was right around the 20s. Yeah, there's a book out there that talks all about... um, yeah, I think it was like something about like the jungle or the jungle book. Not to be confused with um Disney. But anyway. Mowgli and whatnot. Yeah, Mowgli was not a part of this. No. But anyway, it was about yeah, basically these slaughterhouses. Just there was no FDA at this point. There was no oversight. So a lot of bad things happened. Anyway, to move on, started out with chunks, maybe moved to ground right around the twenties. But then the 30s, they added tomatoes, and that was the first introduction of tomatoes into Chile. So I think Chile just continues to grow and grow and grow. Um, I'm not even sure what a Texan would say about, like, a white chili. I don't even think they would. Oh, my gosh. They wouldn't that, even consider that to even have the word chili in it. It would be like some sort of you know, chowder to them. or I don't think they would have it. Maybe that, yeah, that was like the crossover probably there. The the chowder worked its way west while the chili worked its way north. <laughs> and right around Buffalo, <laughs> we have this white chili. Now we know. Just wanted to take a time out and say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. It really does mean a lot. I would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating or review, uh, to go ahead and do that. It all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game more. Feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram, at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? Or have some show topic ideas? Email us at Huntivore at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, which happens to be a 2% for conservation company who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. Uh, So, yeah, I think that sums up uh, the chili episode there. happened last week, which, you know, that was a lot of fun. And so then, being on that kick, I needed to add on to something else that also had unwritten rules written about it, and that would be the hot dog. Um, Just currently got done making venison hot dogs. I want to say 100% wild, but I'm going to have to say 80-20 wild. 80-20. Yeah. The fat. The fat. So, unfortunately... The kosher boys over there at Kogel's are gonna gonna maintain the uh, the kosher reputation. I did not make kosher hot dogs. 
I needed the back fat off pork because that mm-hmm. I find is a great mix with venison. It lets Venny be Venny. If I would have added beef fat into it, I have a feeling that it would taste too beefy. So yeah, and then the waxy stuff. Then the waxy. Nah. So to sum that up, yeah, not kosher, but I will say quality parts. Um, I I got another salvage deer. This would be salvage deer number three. Um, wow. Ended up quartering out. Uh, just the back legs and took the back straps the front end of this poor boy was uh was done we weren't gonna mess with it no no good but anyway took those uh hind quarters and I actually let them hang i got busy so they actually had a good seven day hang on to them Ooh. and yeah very nice very tender also because it was very young the two hind quarters once i boned them out and got them cleaned up I ended up chunking it because the the top round could have been served to one person. Oh, like they were <laughs> very small pieces. Yeah. So I did oh, end sorry. up with a nice pile of diced, basically like inch by inch by inch, diced up. And with the two legs that came out to five pounds. So oh, I was boy. like, yeah, we're, we can do something with this. Um but I wasn't going to do steaks or anything. I thought about doing, like, pot pies or something. Oh, yeah. um, but then I think came across on one of the feeds that it was like, hey, 20 days until pitchers and catchers report in. And that just got me excited for, for baseball. As a Lions fan, I've kind of been done with uh, football for the past month, maybe month hey. and a half. Actually, Draft. I was already looking for the – I wanted an, a really early round pick, so I guess I could say I was done probably about week five. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah, Stafford I, went down, I was like, okay, call it in, cash it in. Pretty much, yeah. So I know my, my friends over there in Wisconsin and you yourself, you know, you were you were up until last week really gung-ho. So, But now you can join us in the excitement for baseball here. Exactly. They're – is always the Tigers to look forward to because, you know, Detroit's sports world's on fire right now. The so, only yeah. way we can go is up. <laughs> is up. I tell you, <laughs> here in Michigan, we are the most franchise. optimistic people on the face of the planet. Not only We're do loyal. we have winters that uh, yeah. don't seem to end, and they end, <laughs> but then they start back up again. So, But we do know that spring will eventually come, and we do know that, hey, rock bottom hurts you're always going to get back up and so yeah. it makes winning so much sweeter. It does. One day, one day <laughs> we will win a championship. Hell will have frozen over at that point, but we will have a championship. It's going to happen. <laughs> so anyway, I got to the, use the, uh, the salvage deer, use those hind quarters for, for making, um, hot dogs and hot dogs take a little bit more production than, say, a regular brat. Uh, not to say there's anything wrong with brats, and not even to say that I prefer hot dogs versus brats. Um, just in sausage-making technique, it ends up being more of a process. Um, coming from Germany where they had, I mean, yeah, they had the bratwurst, but that's the one that we know of. 
there's a whole range of different sausages that are out there. We could probably do a whole episode on the number of sausages that are out there that at least even came from from Germany itself. But the one that we know closest to the hot dog is the Frankfurter, which is also a translation of bologna. And mm. those two go through an emulsion. I think I mean, hopefully I'm saying that right. Emulsion. Anyway, you want to create a puree or like a mousse, like a real creamy, whipped up, basically meat goo, <laughs> if you want to put it politely. <laughs> so you're making a meat goo. Making a meat goo. And the reason you're getting that that um, meat goo is because once you cook it in the casing, you end up with a very solid, snappy product. Um you know, when you get a hot dog, you have that little bit of, like, you can take it and actually bend it and then get to the point where it breaks. And it yeah. doesn't just split a little bit. It, like, pops and snaps off. And that's both the casing and the texture of the meat where it's been able to adhere to itself. And it adds that and makes it uh, easier to eat and more enjoyable to eat. Whereas you can take basically your ground and stick it in a casing and make a bratwurst. But it's got a different mouthfeel, it's got a different texture, and you even got to cook it a little differently. Whereas the hot dog lends itself open to grilling, steaming, um, boiling in an environment where they were, you know, depending on situation, you might not be able to have a grill going, or you might not be able to... Or, you know, you might be inside, stuck inside, can't grill, so then you can put uh, a pot of water on. But anyway, it just opens itself up to cooking more options than just over flame. I, however, appreciate the flame on both either the brat and the hot dog. So, I, But I'm, I'm partial to the grilling side anyway. For sure. So now that we've got, um, we know that we got to go with an emulsion, um, the way that you do that at home, I'm sure everybody has already seen the, uh, how it's made episode on hot dogs. I think it was a discovery channel episode or it was just posted online. You look up how are hot dogs made? And then pretty soon people stopped eating hot dogs because basically yeah. they're watching this. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> this meat goo being pumped into casings. I mean, when you got to get a job done, you got to get it done fast. Like it is yeah. going to look a little otherworldly the, the giant auger mixing that stuff together yeah and then those emulsion units you stick the ground meat in it and those things the rpms on them are <laughs> i can't even begin to tell you but yeah they whip that up um but you use a food processor at least i was able to use a food processor um on on my my first round um i started out with a coarse grind and after the coarse ground, I then mixed in my seasonings, and then I had two rounds of the fine. So I was getting pretty close even in as far as um, I it wasn't emotionized, but it was definitely a very fine ground after I got done with the second. Well, at that point, it had been the third grind through the grinder. 
Um, and it was going along really well. Got to the uh, food processor part, and I would do know, like a pound, pound and a half, maybe two pounds. Um, but anyway, it took about three or four different trips as far as like I would use just that much that, to, that I could put into the food processor. Whip that up, and it was literally like 30 seconds where I would press the on button and just let it go for about 30 seconds. And I'm watching for a certain texture. Um, from that, I was able to I'd pull that out, clean that section out, and then put in the next round. And I'm putting in a few ice cubes with that, and I'd pour in just a little bit of water to try and keep it cool. From there, I let it sit in the fridge overnight because I did have to let the cure do its work. Um, I have a the pink salt that I'm using is a, a longer cure. It takes overnight for it to work. So that's why I let it sit overnight um, as the emulsion. And then the next day, I was able to crank it out out of the sausage stuffer and then smoke it. So given that... Given all that, I think... I'm giving him a seven out of a t- seven out of ten, as far as execution, because seven yeah, seven out of ten as far as like is where you wanted to be. No, that's what I give my score now. I was aiming for ten out of ten. I wanted this yeah. to be a home run. I wanted this to be my next write up. That hey, you can make hot dogs at home, and I almost got there. The beauty of using a salvage deer is that I'm bummed that round one didn't end in perfection. It's not a total loss, but it didn't end in perfection. But at the same time, I still have uh, my hunted deer still in the freezer untouched. So I haven't wasted any of that yet. So I've got like a bonus chance with the bonus meat that I have. So that I am excited about. Stings a little less. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you turn five pounds of venison into hot dogs, you end up with like 50 hot dogs. (laughs) So my mountain of seven out of 10 is a little big right now. (laughs) What, what rating would the kids give them? Um, all three of them have eaten a full hot dog, uh, of that, of that batch. So, I mean, they, they think they're great. Perfect. The, the, the only thing that I'm giving, I'm t- knocking the points down for, uh, the casings. Um, casings were spot on. I used two types of casings. I used a, lam- a natural lamb casing, which if you haven't used natural yet, it's, it's a little bit more hands-on. It's a little more tricky than like a collagen casing because you have to get the... Um, the natural casing, you have to soak it to make it malleable, and then you got to you know feed it onto the the horn, and then from there you can then start the process. But with the the dry collagen casings, I could literally just slip it on and go to town right away. But I did half and half, and I think I got a little more snappiness out of the natural casing, but at the same time, I think I got a little more uniformity out of the college casing. That's probably a whole other topic we could go off on, you know, collagen versus natural 
but both of the ones that I had took smoke really nice. Um, so the co- those the casings worked really well. The smoke that I added also did very well. Um, probably would have rotated them. I was doing it ha- in in half light. It was you know already dark outside by the time I was doing it. So I had like great top and bottom where it turned re- a real deep red, um, like you would want on a hot dog. But then on my sides, uh, they didn't get as much smoke. So there is a little bit of the color difference, which you know kind of took off a half a point or so. Um, I finished them all to about a hundred between one hundred and forty five and one hundred and fifty degrees, knowing that they were going to climb up a few degrees. Um, I didn't want them to get above one fifty five. Um, I felt that would have been too hot. Um, yeah, well, I didn't want all the fat to, to render and then work its way out. Okay. The texture got the most points off and that isn't on my, my rate, my grind ratio that isn't on even just using venison. Well, venison's lean. It's going to be dry. It, it was on my execution of the grind and the emulsion process looking deeper into it like like well i take a bite and it's it's a little soft in the middle and i want to say it's like a grainy gritty texture <laughs> not not like sandy but it just doesn't have it it's like the outside had good adhesion but the middle it it just didn't it doesn't snap it kind of mushes a little bit it crumbles okay and i'm trying to be descriptive but it sounds yeah. gross but at the same time it just crumbles a little bit it's got more of a brat texture to the middle yeah. as opposed to a solid texture that you gotcha. would get from uh a regular good hot dog and so my and it's on me because at some point during that whole process that um I let it get above 40 degrees. Okay. So I did mention that I was throwing ice in and that I was using some water and that I was continuing to put I was putting it at that point it was like 25 degrees out so I'm putting it on the porch. Um I thought I was doing a good enough job to keep it as cold as I could. And what I'm finding out is I didn't do as good a job as I should. Now the meat never got warm. I didn't leave it out. Like there wasn't the idea of like, Oh, you know, it's going to spoil. Like, no, no, no. It was cold, but it was not below that 40 degrees. And either through the, the fine grind I'm thinking, or through the emulsion is that, I allowed that temperature to get above that, and so then when you cook it at that point, pardon me, <laughs> um, I'm going to sneeze, but I can't, now I can't get the sneeze going. Anyway, but there's a point where you're putting it into a casing and you start to cook it that prior to getting it into the casing if you let it get too high especially in the emulsion period it will it'll get that texture it won't set up how you want it to 
So that was where my my problem happened was in the creation of that emulsion and then not getting it to the casing at the right temperature. There was also a space too where I did put it in the refrigerator overnight. That was our outside refrigerator. But I left it overnight because I didn't want to crank out hot dogs at 11 p.m. It's understandable. So I, well, I also had to wait for the the sausage stuffer. I had to pick it up from a buddy. Um, That's neither here nor there, but the time between the emulsion and the uh, actual casing of it was pretty delayed. That was pretty long. So I would say those two areas is what got me not the texture that I was looking for. All in all, I want to say that I had good execution, though, and the rest of it. So that's where I give it a 7 out of 10, that they're edible, and I'm going to eat all of them, but I'm probably not going to write about it until round two. Just yet. <clears throat> Holy cow, who knew making a hot dog was so complicated? I tell you, it's uh, it's definitely a food science. It's like and... crumb and hot dog. Like, you just changed my entire opinion on the hot dog because you walk through and you're like, that's, you know, kind of basic food sitting there and I can get a whole bucket of them for a buck fifty, but now, holy cow. Well, I mean, you can get the buck fifty hot dogs, but there are there are better hot dogs that are out there. Like we mentioned, our our friends over there at Kogel's and, and Nathan's, they do they do a great job. But yeah, there's uh there's a science behind it. There's you, you got to put out the right data. You got to do the right thing because otherwise you're not going to end up with your result. Yeah. That's uh, it's kind of like rooting for the lions. When you get it right, it's going to be so much sweeter. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of worked that in there. I did. I brought that back around. Um, so now I've made the hot dog. I've, you know, I got the smoke on them, chilled overnight, now feeding them, um, doing some pictures today because, yeah, they do look incredible. I um, saw the picture. They they look magical. They're, they're very nice looking. I, I'm pretty surprised to hear the 7 out of 10 because based on the picture, you caught the right angle because I was like, mm, those look like 11 out of 10s right there. Oh yeah, that's why this is definitely getting a round two because I'm not giving up on them. Like they do, they look incredible, and like the first bite of it is incredible, and then you realize like, you know what, they kind of crumbled apart a little bit, or you get closer to the middle and you're like, yeah, they kind of just it didn't give me. You left unsatisfied. Yeah. Um, so that's where I want to make that correction. Um, so yeah, the seven out of ten. As far as aesthetics, oh, yeah, they do. They look great. But what I didn't realize, I guess I did realize this because I myself uh, have have poked around with this. Like, you know, somebody who puts ketchup on their hot dog, you know, you kind of like, geez, oh, Pete's, what are you, six? And <laughs> folks over in Chicago, they got their own thing going. And then at the same time, in the east side of the state, like, it's coney all the way that it's you can't have a dog unless you've got uh the chili on there the cheese on there the mustard the onion 
So it's, again, there's a whole unwritten society about hot dogs that you can put this on it, but you can't do this. And I think it's just, I think it's crazy. Something that's so simple, like a hot dog, has so much lore about it. So much um, tribalism just because it's like, you know, hey, we're you're going to put peppers and relish and onions on it if you're over here from Chicago. Where at the same time, well, look at Detroit. You got American and Lafayette side by side, and you got to pick one. Which one's your favorite? Yeah. I, I can't tell the difference between the two of them. That's blasphemy. <laughs> blasphemy. That's how we work. It is. So it was... It's I've even posted on the Instagram too to say like, so hey, what do you put on your dog? And um, I've got a couple responses back, but I I haven't got anything otherworldly yet. Yeah. Um, again, in my internet research, there is a society out there. I think it's like the Hot Dog Society. I know it's a dot org, so it it makes me like think that it's legit. So there's <laughs> a sure. whole list. <laughs> if it's dot org, it's gotta, if it's .org it's gotta be good. But they go through like the do's and don'ts of of hot dog, and a lot of them, you know, some. Well, I should say probably a good portion of them is really like keeping uh, hot dogs as I don't want to say low, like low grade, but they, as far as like a real American barbecue style of eating where it was like hey if you have it does say in there you you cannot use a cloth napkin you must either use paper or if the condiments are on your fingers you must lick them first so they get down to that nitty-gritty very interesting um what was another one that they had they're the they're the nhdsc hot-dog.org if anybody wants to follow along there you go oh you found it good i found them yeah and there's a whole list of do's and don'ts um and yeah they get to the they get even to the point where they say if you're under the age of 18 ketchup is okay after that though i think i think all hands off the red stuff no yeah Seeing here, fifty-two percent of people prefer ketchup. So they have. Uh, I, I'm not really getting deep into the data, but they have. Uh, they have their work ahead of getting them on that eighteen and under campaign. But they're legit. I think they'll get there. Yeah, I mean they got our attention. So they did. They got our attention. <laughs> they're a pretty big deal. So anyway, I thought that was a, a great find to be like, hey, there's etiquette around hot dogs. And there's also the unwritten rules where, well, no, I shouldn't say they're unwritten because now they're written. They're written. They on met, a .org, no less. On a .org. Yeah. Catch up at 18, but it doesn't say anything about extras being put on. I did see an order on how you're supposed to put on the uh, the toppings. You're supposed to dress the dog not the bun. So the dog always goes in first. You can't touch the... Okay. I want to say it's the third bullet down if you're looking on it. I could be wrong. I'm I'm deep into 
is a hot dog a sandwich controversy now. So oh geez, I got to back out seven pages to get to where you are. A lot of content. A lot of so content. you have to dress the dog prior to it touching the bun, or can you place the dog in the bun and put the condiment onto the dog's surface without touching the bun surface? What they're saying is, uh, is you can't put the ketchup and mustard into the bun and then put the dog on top of okay. it. So but you must bread. insert weenie into bun and then add the stuff on top. All right. Well, now we know. But I mean, like, this organization has thought of, like, real issues, and I'm glad they've at least got a stance on them. So yeah. I somewhere there must be a chili set up uh, or a chili page the same way. I guess if you're going to go with chili con carne, it's already telling you, yeah, it's peppers and meat. You can't add beans and tomatoes. Yeah. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still going to add the beans and tomatoes. You know what I would like to see is come up with a 1920 or pre-1920 chili con carne. There you go. Retro dish. Retro dish. So it sounds like I'm going to either need to head to Texas or I need to head to the Canary Islands. That's an easy one. (laughs) Canary Islands it is. So, all right. So, yes, if we're going to need some folks to help us out, please send checks to huntivore (laughs) at (laughs) gmail.com. Dustin, set us up a Venmo so people can send us money. Get right on that. (laughs) So, anyway, first month of uh, 2020, um, and we got into the... We got to chili drama, and we got like hot. We have, there's a, we find an organization all about hot dogs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a good good start. Um, anything you got on the docket coming up soon? I know ice isn't out there for you, but are you prepping anything for ice fishing? You got everything ready to go, or is that not even come across to your radar yet? You're still just into the the no. house stuff. Yeah, it's in a box. I keep on my eye on the weather, and based on what I see, I think this might be the first year in history, at least at our latitude, where we don't really see any ice. I think this might be a open water year. So, gotcha. I don't know. We'll see, but if need be, I can. Uh, I can put some stuff together pretty quickly. Good deal. Because, yeah, I was hoping to really get out on the ice, just given how excited my, my oldest is. But, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, the, uh, the thing I'm playing around with is uh, finally went cast iron. So That's right. I would totally, totally skipped on that. You finally joined the order of class of cast iron. Congratulations! Thank you. It feels good. Feels good to finally uh, be amongst the cast ironers. Your cast iron you got brand new. Didn't go with didn't go with a used or a a hand me down or a a flea market find. You went went straight off the the Amazon. I understand. Straight to Amazon. Gotcha. Thanks, Bezos. What's what's his name? Jeff Bezos, I think. Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, they had a $3 off deal, so I finally pulled the trigger because that's really what was standing in between me and uh, 
like an eighteen dollar pan. I don't really know, but <laughs> that's what pushed me out over the edge. <laughs> Going crazy yeah, here with an eighteen dollar pan. Finally afford this cast iron pan, yeah. So went with Amazon. Good deal. All right. What uh what size is it? You got a inch, you got a number? What uh how big is it? It's a twelve inch Camp Chef cast iron pan. It's got the uh, single handle style, so it's the I think pretty much the most versatile in in every home America. I feel like. Yeah, I, I was looking at smaller. I was looking at bigger, and I was like, you know, I'm going to start with with the one that I think is pretty much the, the everyday American cast iron. Good deal. I do, yeah, before we continue to talk about this, now that you got a cast iron, it be, kind of becomes your favorite and your only. Like, you're going to find yourself cooking in this thing that uh, you normally wouldn't use it for. But I know I'd reach, I've got two of them currently, and I reach for the big one. I got a 14-inch. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, can talk, we can talk cast iron, especially with the big pots like that. That sucker... I don't need a meat mallet. I just use that cast iron. I drop that onto uh, whatever I'm trying to make schnitzel out of, and it's it's really really has its weight. There's some serious heft to those bad boys. I can only imagine the 14, the the weight behind that guy. It's it's definitely a, a two hander when you're uh, when you're picking up. You got a big roast in it or something. It definitely takes two hands. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's. That's been the, I think I've, I've got a couple of meals that I've cooked in that so far, but I'm still, I'm definitely on the uh, learning curve side of the thing. Now, have you gone just stovetop with it or have you done both stovetop and oven with it? I've done stovetop and dropped into oven. Actually, the first thing I did, I went domestic, I had some chicken and I went uh, stovetop and I had some some onions and peppers and the chicken in there and I deglazed her and threw her in the oven and finished it off in the oven. So right away I went both, but I've done a little bit of, I haven't done a ton yet, but I've done a little bit of both of just straight on the stove and then stove finishing oven stuff. There you go. So you've done done the chicken, done any venison in it yet? I've done venison. I did venison fajitas. I was going to do, so I thought out the uh, a rolled steak deal where you had it all tied up super nicely. And I was going to sear that off and finish it in the oven. And I had a bunch of peppers that I had to get. There had a couple of days left on them, so I wanted to get those in the pan. And then I had some onion, and I had so much onion and pepper going in the pan, I completely changed my plan to fajitas. Good work. So, Good yeah. change there. Yeah, so I was, I was looking at it, and I was like, mm, you know, I could probably trim this up and dice it a little bit. So I asked the wife, I said, hey, fajitas sound good? And that was a go. So then I went with went with that. So then that, I did the veni, and then that was all on the stovetop. Well, good choice on the... Uh cast iron then going with your fajitas that was an awesome audible good work sir thank you yeah there's some real good flavor in it too 
Now you were you were mentioning was it was it this dish that you then texted us and told us about the the amount of heat that uh, a cast iron will hold? No, no, that was dish one. That was dish one. Okay. <laughs> dish one, I threw the cast iron on, and I wanted it to be evenly heated, so I threw some heat to her and let it go for a while, and threw some olive oil in the bottom of it. And it was it was at the smoke point. It didn't like seem like it was out of control, but I mean it was at the smoke point and I was like, Well, I need to get some stuff out of this moderate this heat. So I, I tossed a few diced onions in there and holy cow. <laughs> Those things what? probably popped out like popcorn oh, right at you. My goodness. We changed our plan. <laughs> we we had to uh we had to stop on the onion show because I was going to do a whole bunch of onions and bring those down. And then we stopped that plan and we went straight to the chicken to moderate that heat off and then added the onions in. And I was like, holy smokes. She like normally when I get a pan real hot, I can tell like, you know, we're about to warp this thing. We got a problem. The thing wasn't giving me anything other than when I got the oil in there, it was smoking a little bit. Just looked, Sitting there steady at I don't know five six thousand degrees. <laughs> you could have you could have stuck a rock in there and it would have melted it back to lava. <laughs> My goodness, it's very impressed. I tell you that weight uh, translate into a heat sink that you know like when you use when you want to like a make a chili or do something that's going to go in for a long steady cook. The weight is what's going to help you because that holds the heat within the thickness of the metal. And when you go for a sear, like, you know, in a regular pan, you're going to get a heat drop. And so you really want to space things out. Yeah, with with cast iron, that sucker will just keep on searing all the way through just because of the weight that you have going on and the amount of metal that's on that. So, yeah, somebody should have wrote that off to you. (laughs) Well, you know, I like to learn on the go. So, but yeah, I'm getting some strap out next. I'm I've been playing around a little bit, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done messing around. Yeah, um, off of harvestingnature. dot com. I think they're are they're a dot com. Anyway, um, Corey Sly Slay, no Sly Corey Sly that we had a a talk with. Well, several episodes ago from Harvesting Nature, um, had a article from them, and they talked about using mayonnaise as uh, making a great sear on lean meat. Oh, really? Um, so I gave it a shot, actually. So same thing, same thing using some strap, um, referring to backstrap. I did a thin coat of mayonnaise after seasoning my backstrap. Got it to room temperature, hit it with the salt and pepper, and then I mean you're not you're not layered it on like a sandwich, but yeah. you're just putting I used actually a silicone brush and threw some in a little dish and was able to dab it on, just wipe it on, just a thin layer. And through the oils that are on there along with the egg that's in the the mayonnaise. I just set it in a dry cast iron. I didn't have any butter, any oil in it, just my normal seasoning 
that's already in the pan. And I dropped that in there, and it just had this great sear noise to it. When I rolled that over, it was like a beautiful crust, something that you, like, strive for on beef that it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get that glisteny, shiny from from venison. It's a little bit more dry in texture. But, oh, it was a perfect shade of, like, crispy golden along the one side. So they hit the nail on the head right there. Just skim a little bit of mayonnaise over uh, whatever piece of meat you're going to throw in that cast iron, and it'll do wonders for you. That makes sense, that natural oil's in there. So, yeah, I'm excited to hear about your strap adventures on the uh, the new cast iron. <clears throat> oh, yeah. We're going probably uh, a couple more days. We're going to make that one happen. Good deal. So are you seasoning with canola oil, vegetable shortening? What are you, what are you throwing on it? So I've done olive oil so far, and I want to switch over to the shortening. Yeah, that smoke point, you'll you'll eventually find that, yeah, that uh, that olive oil just can't handle it, and it'll start smoking out. Yeah, and I do have vegetable and canola, too. I, I, you know, I just, it's kind of been my go-to, so that's what I've been using, but seems like that solid shortening... And then it seems like it has a better shelf life, too. I mean, use it enough, it shouldn't really matter, but it seems like people talk about it having better shelf life and stability to it. So yeah. I just didn't have it in the house, so I wasn't going to wait. The more you use it, yeah, the less I think you have to worry about it going rancid. Um, I know when we talked with Steve on our cast iron episode, um, he uses a, a blend and it's got some sort of oils in there. I think it's like a canola, but then it's also got like a beeswax in it, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't know, great. I'd love to give the, sh- the stuff a try. I've not used it. Um, but, yeah, like using a shortening or canola oil is, is what I've been using on mine. And I use mine almost daily. So it's like, yeah, it's always yeah. getting heated up. I'm always putting a lick of oil back in there and just building on my seasoning. So. I haven't had a problem yet with it. I also went with uh, a chain nail scrubber because after day three of using that thing, I <clears throat> wanted to up my game with my scrubber. Oh, you got one of the chain nails? Do you I love did. it? Uh, I love it more than what I was doing. I was afraid <laughs> to use my scrubby with the soap, even though I could use soap because I was paranoid to screw with the seasoning situation that I had going on and the paper towel was making me angry so cost me probably nearly as much as the pan but yep I need to pull the trigger on one of those as well getting uh one of the chain mail scrubbers now does yours have the foam on the inside or is it just straight up piece of chain mail it's just straight out of the freaking middle ages like I feel like if I need to go into battle like I just sew that up somewhere over right your heart. Around. Put it right over your heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does the job. That's for sure. And I uh, I hang it off the um, little butcher bl- knife block there where the knife sharpener goes. It's part of the kitchen already. That's awesome. Well, good deal. Dustin, we've been uh, hammering on here for a little over an hour. 
it's uh, it's been a good one. We've really gotten to do um, these recipes that we're going to be putting out. Hopefully, I can perfect the hot dogs and get that out there. Um, if you haven't seen our wild game gyozas, check those out. Uh, is there something else that I should be uh, looking at as far as, as doing a, a recipe for Dustin? Or do you have one that you want to write up? Man, that's a good question. I've, I'm really interested in that one that I was talking about earlier and doing the retro, like pre-1920s, authentic, what chili was before it turned into beans versus no beans, angry keyboard warrior debate. Like, the real deal. I'm super interested in that. So I'm going to do some research. I'm going to get on that. Get on trying to figure that one out. Awesome. That seems like a great one for you. I'm I'm already excited to hear from you. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about the cast iron. Oh, that's what I was going to say, too. And I should probably write this up. Even though it's not me that does it, I get out of the way. Because uh, my wife can do, which it's right up your alley, she can do salmon in the cast iron. She is queen when it comes to this dish. And she'll take a fillet of salmon. If I've got one from the Great Lakes, like bonus. If I don't, then it's out of the out of the meat shop. But we'll get the full fillet, and she'll she'll half it, basically cut it about midsection. Either save the tail section or or do the main section. Um, it still has the skin on, but it's been scaled. And she's got a way, I think she mixes, I think it's olive oil. I think when she goes in the cast iron, maybe it's the olive oil, but then she adds a little butter into it as well. Does the two of those together. And when she lays that down in the, so she goes skin side down, Mm -hmm. she can get that skin just crispy. I mean, just starts browning, searing in the pan there. Um, On top, she does a whole number of I think she does dill garlic and I think there's well there is lemon and I think it's just a little bit of salt and pepper at that point but then she'll do the cherry tomatoes and she'll throw those in all around the sides um we haven't gotten them but I think even if you had those like little onions the baby onions if you were to throw those in that would be an awesome setup as well but she'll take that whole thing and then slide that into the oven. So she does the stovetop into the oven oh, with, yeah. with that salmon. And when she pulls that out, like it's flaky and moist on top, but it's crunchy on the bottom. So like when you basically you can cut the skin underneath and then eat that along with and you still have a little bit of a crunch. I tell you, she has that dialed in. So nice. maybe that's what I need to do next is an old salmon in the cast iron. We'll do a write-up on that. Sounds good to me. Well, hey, it's uh, it's now getting late. We're over an hour and ten minutes now on this. I think I'm going to let you head off to home and maybe get something done as far as putting more flooring down. Are you done for the night? Uh, no, I'll probably rip out a toilet here in the next 15 or so and uh, maybe tear a wall down. So. I tell you, all hours of the day. The night is young. <laughs> the night is young. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, Dustin, I'm going to let you go, and we'll send folks out. Folks, 
if uh, if the snow and cold has got you inside, then uh, find yourself in the kitchen. Warm yourself up either by the oven or by, by the stove. And, uh, yeah, get ready because spring is coming. We've, we've got the hot dogs to prove it. But as you're making sausage, make sure that your grind always stays cold and that your knives are always sharp.